Hi there, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Do you have a homestead, farm, or just dream of a rural life? This is a show to help you and your kids grow your own food and grow as a person. I'm your host, Cody Hanner. I'm a homesteader, homeschool mama six, and small town enthusiast. I was raised by an old school rancher and blessed by the grace of God to have been exposed to so much of what rural life has to offer. Join me every week to talk about homesteading, homeschooling, and growth with a homestead education. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Homestead Education. I am super excited today to have Rhonda Fowler on. She is a homesteader that has decided she wanted to create something more in this world. How are you doing, Rhonda? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself and your homestead? Yeah. Um, currently, um, well, we have a large garden. Um, I really um, am into food preservation techniques, do a lot of uh, different kinds of canning and dehydrating, um, that sort of thing. So I'm, I just really enjoy doing that. Um, we even make our own dog food and can it and stuff like that. So um, I never we, thought um, to can the dog food. I just, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's really not that hard, but at any rate. Okay. So, uh, I'm also super excited about permaculture food forest. Uh, I grow a lot of perennial food crops. Um, uh, I've had chickens for eggs, uh, for some time, but recently my husband had a health issue and we got rid of those, but we're going to get them back soon. But So um, those are kind of the things I'm most interested in. I've uh, tried uh, growing microgreens a little bit and a little bit of um, uh, like sprouting and things like that, but uh, I haven't spent a lot of time on that. So, and just enjoy a lot of different things about homesteading in general. Um, I just, even though it's a little more work to like grow your own tomato plants or whatever, it's just so satisfying to me. So I enjoy it a lot. Oh, there's a song out there that says there's two things in life that money can't buy. And that's true love and homegrown tomatoes. Yeah, that's right. That is right. (laughs) So um, in your uh, homestead journey, you have actually decided recently to start something. You want to tell us about that? Yeah. Um, I, for a long time, have just felt that, you know, in Indiana, um, you know, there haven't been large conferences, homesteading conferences close by. And I've always wanted to go to one. Um, as and a West I don't Coaster, know. I feel you. As a West Coaster, yeah. I feel you on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but more stuff actually really recently is sprouting up in a lot of places. But um, anyway, I just last year, I just kind of felt a sense of calling to start um, like a statewide conference that offers a lot of different things. Um, and since I had a marketing background, I was a marketing director for years. Uh, and two, I have a social work background, but um, I just really care about people learning these kind of skills because I felt like we've lost a lot of these things. Uh, you know, people haven't been teaching them uh, to their kids and that sort of thing. Although I have felt that there's a very big growing interest in this topic. Uh, And I kind of felt like, you know, I would see on a lot of the forums or like Facebook pages, people asking these questions that it takes so much more than, you know, a couple sentences to explain. And I just felt like we just need not only 
um, statewide support or even hopefully reaching into other states. But uh, we also need local support and uh, developing community. So a part of my desire was to offer a lot more training to people that they could come and get in a short time. Um, and I just felt a calling last year to start a conference, a homesteading conference in Indiana. Uh, and um, like I said, since I had a marketing background, I kind of knew the things that I could do to, to help build that. I, and I always had a passion for encouraging the building of local community around homesteading uh, because I really feel like people need support and you need more than just an online quick answer. I mean, for some mm -hmm. things, that's good. You know, if you, you really do just have a basic question, but I started seeing so many of these questions, like I'm just getting started. Where do I start? Or, you know, or I want to pressure the ones, can. The ones I, that are quick to find online. You, where do you even go to find that information? Right. And there, there are, there are uh, YouTube channels, there's um, uh, Facebook pages online for support mm -hmm. and so forth. But I just find that sometimes like topics like pressure canning, which, you know, is a passion of mine. I've talked to so many people or seen them online say, I bought a, can a pressure canner two years ago, but I've never used it. It's just sat there because I was afraid you know, I was going to cause it to blow up or something, you know? And so some, well, I just, I can tell you for sure that when you don't read the instructions, right. And you try to can chicken with not enough water, it didn't blow up, but the whole bottom was nice and round. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. That can happen. <laughs> that can happen. So, you know, I had, uh, for a few years, I've been teaching classes locally, just myself for my local community at the Lions Club, you know, they let me use their space since I'm doing a community service. And um, so I'd been doing that for a while and people really enjoyed it. And I loved being able to help teach those skills. Um, but I, anyway, I, I encouraging local community uh, is a big part of the, the mission um, that I had in starting this. And, and there have been, I, there was already some local groups, but I know around here, there have been county-based groups that have sprung up. And, um, you know, the night of the conference last year, somebody in my county started uh, a local community homesteading Facebook group that has mm -hmm. turned into just in our small county, 145 people. Nice. And we meet quarterly and have trainings and things like that. And it's, it's just really exciting. I love how much people are trying to come together and build community within mm -hmm. the homestead world. I mean, it's, especially as homestead, I mean, I say moms, but it's really all of us or women. Yeah. We're so far, a lot of us live really rurally. So not mm -hmm. only do we feel like we're taking on this whole new endeavor, we're doing it by ourselves. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it feels really good to have community. It does. It does. So that was, that's one exciting part of it. That's just very exciting to me. Yeah. So how did last year's conference go? It went really well. Um, I mean, we didn't have much time to do it. Um, a gal that I ran across online, I reached out to uh, Ashley Burton, who is at Mulberry, uh, Mulberry Branch Farms here in Indiana. Uh, I reached out to her um, because I just felt like maybe she would be a good fit and we had never met, but started talking with her. And so she helps me with some of the projects. And then there's another gal, Melissa, that helps with the vendor hall and another gal that helps with volunteers. Oh, so, wow. um, yeah, um, 
I got lost in there somewhere. I'm going to forget what the original question was. It was just, how did it go last year? Oh, yeah, it went, it went really well. You know, people responded really well and they were very thankful and excited to have, you know, a place where they could learn so many different things all in one day. So it went, went really well. And this year's is going really well too. The just development it's the um, conference this year is going to be October 21st and 22nd. Um, at the Marion County Fairgrounds, which is east of Indianapolis, just outside the outer loop on the east side. Nice. So yeah, that was going to be my next question is you have Mm -hmm. this year's coming up in October. Oh, tell us a little bit about who you have on the the roster, right, the, yeah, roster. the roster, yeah. the lineup. Yeah, yeah. Um, some of the yeah. Talk. No, we've got. Um, I, as some of your listeners may be familiar with Joel Salatin. Um, he's. I hope they very are very well known. <laughs> yeah, he's very well known in the um, homesteading world and has done a lot of speaking. He's coming. We're super excited. We're super excited about all of our speakers, but uh, we also have Sean and Beth Doherty. Uh, I got to meet them recently and they're just oh, you so sweet. Yeah. Oh yes. And so knowledgeable. They, they've they been around this world for a long time. Uh, they have so much to offer, a lot of insight. Uh, we also have Pork Brine. Uh, he has spoken at HOA, the Homesteaders of America before and been around to some other conferences. And for my listeners, go back and listen last week. I had him on the podcast and that was a blast. Oh, did. Yeah, he, he's amazing. Yeah, that's, a, that's really cool. We also have Hunter Smith, who uh, was uh, uh, played for the Colts for years. He was a punter uh, and he has uh, become a homesteader. And it's super exciting to hear his story. Um, and then, oh, of that course sounds we, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So we have a lot of very experienced homesteaders from around the state also who are going to be teaching on many, many different skills. I mean, we're going to have classes on, um, you know, raising rabbits, butchering rabbits, uh, all the different food preservation methods. Um, you know, Joel's doing a workshop on, um, you know, butchering chickens. Mm. Uh, the Doherty's are also, they're going to, they're both going to be speaking both days uh, for um, regular uh, trainings, but they're both doing workshops. Like I mentioned, butchering chickens is one for Joel. And then the Doherty's are going to do an intensive workshop, which is an additional ticket. The workshops are. Uh, outside of your standard ticket just gives you all the classes. We have five breakouts per hour, uh, both days during throughout the day. But on top of that are the workshops. The Doherty's are doing one on how to start a homestead. Like they're going to help people come away with a plan. And one thing all of these folks are noticing, and I'm noticing too, I'm just hearing it everywhere, that there is such an increase in people wanting to start homesteads. Um, and they're going to get down to the nitty gritty to like help people who really have tons of questions. So it's going to be really hands-on and an extended time period to work through things with people. Oh, that's Um, an amazing one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be putting those out pretty soon. Um, and I have to say, I listen, Beth spoke at the women's homestead convention in March. And I mean, what she had to say, I was I mean, I was there as a vendor and I busted out my notebook and was taking notes because I was so excited over, yeah. she was talking about how to have a self-sufficient homestead. Yes. Yeah. And I was fully intrigued. 
even bring, you know, growing your own fodder for your animals. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, they're very knowledgeable. Yeah. Uh, We're going to have some classes on urban homesteading um, and, um, you know, raising in small spaces, because we really want to encourage people wherever you are, you don't have to own 20 acres of land in the country to homestead. Uh, As a matter of fact, some of your listeners might be interested, or many probably are already familiar with the DeVries family, that um, they were completely self-sufficient on a tenth of an acre. Uh, They're actually from California. Uh, There's a video out there that really explains, like they really... um, hit it hard. They, they grew thousands of pounds of food every year, but they hit it hard one year just to see how many pounds of food that they could grow. And they grew 7,000 pounds of food on a 10th of an acre. So I think people need to realize that you don't have to have some big plan that the only way you can homestead is to have, you know, 20 acres and five kinds of animals. And, you know, so I think that's an important message. I think that we really want to drive home to people is start yeah. where you are and you can grow a lot of food. Mm-hmm. And what I always teach is don't feel overwhelmed by all of it. Pick either one thing in your life or one thing in each part of your life and mm-hmm. work on that until it no longer feels like work. It feels like life. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know, you know like everybody has, I mean, there are thousands of things that you can learn to do. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, choose three or four, you know, that you're super excited and passionate about and let other people grow the other things, you know, um, it's, it's okay not to do everything. So, Mm -hmm. well, I also heard a rumor that Cody Hanner is going to be there too. Oh yes. Cody (laughs) Hanner is going to be there. (laughs) Absolutely. No, I just had to laugh on that one. (laughs) No, I'm really excited. I had got invited to come last year and it was just, we were already on our way home from HOA and it just, there was no way I could make it work. So I'm really excited that I get to be a part of it this year. Yeah, I know. That'll be fun. There's a a lot, a big crew. It's going to, you know, we're going to have two full days. And like I said, we'll have breakouts, five Mm -hmm. breakouts per session uh, to choose from. So, you know, I think you know, almost everybody should be able to find something that they enjoy. In addition, uh, we're going to have those intensive workshops, but we're also going to have demonstrations out on the property. The property is 120 something acres and it's it's all fenced and gated. Um, And so uh, we also have RV spots, 70 RV spots there. In addition, there's going to be primitive campsites available. Oh, that makes it really handy. I know when we travel for these events, sometimes, yeah, we have our RV or something. Sometimes we have a hotel, but it is so hard to try to navigate all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And the, um, the fairgrounds themselves are the ones that are handling scheduling those. So if someone is interested, if they contact, they can, they can find the contact information on our website Okay. And they can contact, uh, the, I have the form on there that they can fill out that they need to turn into the fairgrounds. Okay. I'll make sure I link all of that um, to your website in the show notes so that everyone can find great. you. Okay, great. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Something in my throat. Yeah. We're actually, uh, the weekend of the trip is my, of the conference is my twin's 15th birthday. Oh, <laughs> I was Are like, they so- gonna- I they're going to be with fun. me. 
Yeah, they, they get to travel a lot. So they're going to be with me. And I was like, so what do you guys think about a conference for your birthday? They're like, we love conferences. So. <laughs> Great. Good. And, you know, uh, we we're planning to have some fun things for the kids. I mean, your kids are older, but uh, I've got some we- littles, too. So. Okay, well, we have, we're going to have a petting zoo mm. and we're going to have someone doing face painting with uh, farm animals and doing like little balloon animals. Uh, we also offer what we're calling junior homesteaders. Uh, so there's going to be just two one hour classes a day for the junior homesteaders option. Uh, those tickets are very uh, limited. So there's the session, uh, like I said, two separate sessions. Uh, on Saturday, two separate sessions on Sunday. So, but the tickets are very limited. So just be aware um, if someone's really interested in that, they probably need to get them right away because there, there aren't very many tickets left for that, but. All right. What do you have our class classes picked yet? Yes. And let me see if I can remember, because there's a lot of information bouncing around in my head, but uh, I know there's one going to be on honeybees and we're going to have an observation hive and uh, oh, do man. some teaching on honeybees. Uh, we're going to have a class on vermicomposting, but you know, worms and uh, how they make compost for you with uh, um, um, a worm bin, you know, that they can uh, interact with. And um, we're going to have one on growing different types of corn and talk about popcorn and, and that sort of thing. And then, um, what is the fourth one? It was something fun and I can't think of it right now, but uh, that age group is five to 12 year olds. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sounds like a lot of fun. We actually, we were in the garden yesterday pulling worms and that's such a blast. We had to actually do some digging in our garden to fix a couple of our flower or our garden beds. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> we were getting these worms that like my viewers can't see it, but they were a foot long. And I mean, is, you know, half an inch around. And yeah. I mean, I, I've never seen them that big up here. I was so amazed mm-hmm. and we were pulling them out and putting them in another bed. Cause we had to dig in that one and we didn't want to hurt them. Yeah. But the, my five and three-year-old were having a blast. Cause that was their job to catch all the worms and stick them in another bed and bury them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I just remembered the fourth one. It's uh, da- dairy goats and making butter from cream. Oh, that's always a fun one. Yeah. I might have to get my five-year-old on the list. He's going to be excited for that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and get him going because we're going to have our cows back in milk again for the first time in a year and a half this fall. Oh, wow. So, you yeah. know, we got to, you know, get him on track already. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we, you know, seasons of life, we decided to go a year, a year dry and now we're, they're bred again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, lots going on on the homestead. (laughs) Yeah. Well, launching a new business, I just couldn't stay on top of three dairy cows. I'm sure. I'm sure. But we have a new one coming this year and we got an opportunity to get a brown Swiss bull. So we're really excited. Oh, cool. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Milking is uh, a, a big commitment. I mean, we had a cow when I was a kid. I haven't, I haven't had a cow myself. Mm-hmm. My brother and sister-in-law have cows uh, and they, you know, it, anyway, it's just a lot of work <laughs> to keep up. It with. Is, yeah. you, you have to be consistent. You can't, you have to be there and milk. And so, yeah, we definitely do the, we try to have them um, 
have at a time that we actually have time to milk. So the fall is a really good time for us because then we have all winter before I start on conference season again. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm excited. I was just getting into some more advanced cheeses when we decided to stop milking the last cow and I have all the equipment and nothing to play with. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, growing up when we had our cow, uh, making butter was just homemade butter tastes so much better than store-bought butter. I mean, you wouldn't think there'd be any difference, but there really is. Oh, it's almost like you could almost just eat it with a spoon. Yeah. It's so good. I don't, but (laughs) I know (laughs) it just makes for an excuse to make homemade bread. There you go. Yeah. Because there's nothing better than homemade bread with butter from home melted on it. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. I actually, I watched this video yesterday for probably 20 minutes. I never know how to say it. The foca bread, focacci bread. I was thinking it was focaccia, but I'm not for sure. I don't know. I never listened to anything with the sound on. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm just reading and they always say when some you know, when a child pronounces a word wrong, no, you know, be proud of them because it means that they learned it reading. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'll just, I just get to fall under that category still. <laughs> but yeah, that bread where you get to like smash your fingers into it. And I'm like, yeah, oh, man, that looks so good. I think I need to get back into some bread making once the garden goes where I can put all those fresh vegetables into the bread. It just, it looks like a meal in itself. Oh yeah. Um, there are those, um, I've seen somewhere they actually do artwork on that, on the bread where they put yeah. the edible flowers on the top and they do really pretty things on it. That's, that's fun. I'm not very artistic, but I'm, am about the food. So yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I will figure out some way to make that yummy. Mm-hmm. We've kind of been out of the season of making bread, at least for myself, my daughter, she makes, she's mastered garden, twi- garden twists. Oh my goodness. Garlic twist. <laughs> and she makes the dough and she braids it and puts the garlic on it. And so then, you know, being 14, she's like, I'll cook dinner tonight. So she can cook something that goes with her garlic twists. Yeah. You know, I, um, I'm excited about having you come. I think that homeschooling on the homestead is kind of a big topic these days. I mean, it, it's not only, just homesteading in general that people are becoming more interested in what Joel Salatin calls a homesteading tsunami. Mm-hmm. But I really I call feel it the like home, like a homestead revolution, learning revolution. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, I think there's a huge interest in, in homeschooling. There really is. And there's also a large, and I've, I've actually just kind of learned this recently. Um, I was on Melissa K Norris's podcast mm-hmm. and she was saying that she has felt a lot of backlash for not being a homesteader or a homeschooler. Yeah. And then I started having a lot of people. My printer decided to just do random stuff. <laughs> um, I had a lot of people reach out to me and say, you know, that they, even for those who don't homeschool, they want ways of teaching their kids over the summer, how to. Yeah. More of these homestead and hands-on activities And just a lot of them are looking for the validation that it's okay that they aren't homeschooling. Yeah. I think in some situations you don't have to, you know, it depends on where you live and what's going on in your area Mm -hmm. and, you know, your kids' personalities, lots of different things you have to Um, take into consideration. It's one of those things that you always know what's best for your family. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, when, and depending on the season that you're in, you know, in mm-hmm. life and stuff. Yeah. When we first started homeschooling, we were like, we were like anti-homeschoolers. Yeah. Like the thought of bringing our children home and not giving me like that free time to clean my house every day or to build mm-hmm. a grocery shop. And it just never even crossed my mind. And I'd always worked in corporate. So, I mean, there was no, I mean, there wasn't even an option to think about homeschooling. Yeah. And mm-hmm. when my husband and I moved out of California and bought our first small farm, which we had both grown up rurally, and I had, I grew up on a ranch and he was a big hunter and stuff like just because we're from California, please don't judge. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, we grew up in Northern California where it's actually really rural Mm -hmm. and we got our first small farm in Oregon and we moved there so that I didn't have to work anymore because he's a disabled vet. So it gave us, you know, we had an income and I could be home Mm -hmm. and then it was like, well, what do we do with our days? And we wanted to go hunting and be out in the woods. And, you know, there was a lot of factors that led up to us officially deciding to homeschool. And, you know, some of it was, you know, one of our teenagers got in some trouble and another one is one of our kids had dyslexia and she was struggling. And then my husband got sick and we didn't know what his prognosis was going to be. And we wanted to be able to spend more time as a family But at first him and I were going out in the woods every day, just because that's our happy place. And Uh that's what made us feel good. And we didn't want to, we kept getting frustrated that we had to drive back to town to pick up the kids after school. Yeah. That was actually one of our biggest, when we were weighing all the pros and cons of starting homeschooling, one of them was if we're homeschooling, we don't have to drive back into town to get the kids. We can just stay in the woods because they'll already be with us. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, we, the first six months, we spent more time hiking and out at the lakes and in the woods than we did almost doing anything else. Yeah. You know, um, I, I really think it's neat that you have something that helps kids learn and be connected to homesteading at a younger age so that they can be connected to it, you know, I, and again, whether they're homeschooled or, or they're in school, but Mm -hmm. there's something to help them have activities that uh, help you have some kind of structure to it so that you have, you know, the kids involved in everything. Mm -hmm. So they can feel like a part of it and they understand the why why behind it. Yeah, absolutely. I know as adults, we don't want to do anything unless we know why, Mm -hmm. or at least that we have a why that resonates with us. And you know, I actually um, have recently said like the difference between a chore and a responsibility is a chore is an obligation and a responsibility is a privilege. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I try to teach in my books beyond the science. I mean, the science is the why, but understanding that privilege that, you know, you are tasked with caring for this animal that's providing for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I've seen a lot of kids really blossom from that. Yeah. My own included. Yeah. That's exciting. We've definitely had our challenges. We're a blended family. And when my husband and I met, we raised our kids very differently and we had to figure out a way to make that work for both of us. And we saw, like I said, huge blossoming within our kids when they were able to have that responsibility for themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really cool. You know, we yeah. uh, hope to have, of course, you're going to be speaking at the conference. So mm-hmm. we'll be talking about 
homeschooling there. And uh, we've got the Indiana Association um, there uh, of homeschoolers. Oh, wonderful. So people can ask questions, you know, about like our state laws and things like mm-hmm. that. And uh, so there'll be resources there for people. Oh, that's wonderful. I mean, it's so hard to find all that information. And I'm actually working on a little project myself, putting together some of that information because nobody knows where to look. I know. And so, and it's, yeah. There's so much involved if you're trying to transition your family mm-hmm. into a different a different way. So finding ways to help people make that transition a little easier and less overwhelming is nice. So I agree. It's, um, you know, we, like I said, like you were saying, so many people are transitioning to homesteading mm-hmm. and it is, it can be a real culture shock when you're used to having everything provided to you. And, you know, I had a mm-hmm. gentleman this weekend ask me, you know, what's the biggest adjustment you have to make as a homesteader? And I mean, I didn't, I almost didn't even know how to put it into words, but basically it was like, sometimes your food is going to look a lot different. And sometimes how you get the things you need are going to look a lot different. And Mm -hmm. you kind of almost have to accept that, but not in a defeated way in like an embracing way. Mm -hmm. And there, there's a lot of times our food looks really different than the way it did 10 years ago. Yeah. Too. Um, it's just a different way of thinking. You know, we're not, we're not used to thinking seasonally. Mm -hmm. We're not used to thinking the way nature works necessarily. We just have a system where, you know, our food is trucked in from thousands of miles away and uh, maybe not in California as much as here, but (laughs) a lot of, we're in Idaho now. So, I mean, yeah, (laughs) we definitely have stuff shipped in. Yeah. A lot of food comes from California and Florida uh, and some from, uh, actually, uh, other countries. It's Mexico is a big one. Yeah. But even, you know, garlic comes from China. Uh, There's just a lot of things that come from very long distances, I guess is my Mm -hmm. point, but you know, I think that it's so much more natural to, and again, as much as you can, I don't want people to feel guilty that you can't a hundred percent be a homesteader. I mean, I'm not, uh, and, but there are a lot of things we grow and we preserve for the year and that sort of thing. I think it teaches you different lessons when you're connected to God's ways and you're connected to the way nature works. Uh, we're so disconnected from that in our you know, our culture these days, I think people have a hunger though, to move back toward living in harmony more with God's creation and the way, you know, things work, you know, so many people don't even know where, you know, a sweet potato comes from or how to, you know, plant seeds. You have to, you know, go with the seasons and plant in the Mm -hmm. spring so that you can have a harvest later, you know, And I think it teaches us a lot of beautiful lessons when we are congruent with the way things are actually made. And we learn a lot from that. You know, I really, yeah. And even when we first started our journey of trying to go all natural and grow everything ourselves, we, um, that is Luckily, this is recorded. My husband figured out a way to send an urgent message and it's dinging through to me. Oh, no. (laughs) He just wants to know what gate to buy. But I guess, you know, I can probably just leave this right in the recording because this is part of homestead life. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Yes, it is. You know, uh, while you're doing that, 
um, I can just even talk more about that. Um, I think that even though uh, some of the younger people don't necessarily realize that it's homesteading, they may not know that word that they're looking for, but they're mm-hmm. wanting a more real down to earth life. I think they've become disillusioned with all the plasticness of the kind of society that we have and all the fast paced, always on your phone, you know, stuff like that, mm-hmm. that, um, that we've lived under for several years. And I think people are just hungry for returning to a different kind of life. Um, and in addition, I think, well, even before COVID, there was a big increase, mm-hmm. but with COVID, I think a lot of people just kind of, there are systems that they were running all the time to, um, you know, this class, that class gone all the time, eating through the drive-through things like that. Uh, it kind of got, you know, knocked off, you know, all of the pace that they had before. And they had time to actually think for a minute, like, gosh, we're not rushing to all this stuff because stuff was closed down. Maybe we don't have to live that way. You know, yeah. it was a connection that like, that I don't even think we all knew we were missing. Yeah. <clears throat> until we kind of had to re-embrace it. Absolutely. And, you know, just the reliance on systems that are way more fragile than we thought they were. Absolutely. And honestly, we realized that we don't need any more. Yeah. I I really think so. I think people kind of were lulled into this thought that, you know, there was always going to be a Starbucks on every corner mm-hmm. and somebody deliver stuff to my house that I, you know, <laughs> and it's like, um, I think just people recognize that that's not always true. Like we can't Mm -hmm. like put our dependence on all of these complex systems. I mean, I mean, really COVID wasn't near as big as some things could be and look at how it disrupted everything. Well, that wasn't COVID that disrupted us, but that's a whole nother. Yeah, that is a whole nother story. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I, I hear you. Yeah. But yeah, it, you know, Also, just there was a fear involved with it too. Like, and I even felt it Uh myself. Uh We were in the hospital in the NICU with our youngest when COVID hit. Uh Yeah. I mean, they pretty much, he was having a little bit of trouble eating still, but he was off everything else. Uh And they pretty much came in and said, "Um, he's doing good enough. Let's go ahead and pull these tubes out. Let's get you home. If you have any problems, call your doctor. And we're like, okay, like he's been in the NICU for three weeks and suddenly he's good to go. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people didn't know, you know, what to think about all of that. And um, it's unfortunate the way things evolved because it, it, I think it really became unhealthy the way that the systems dealt with it just in general, but mm-hmm. um Yeah. You know, we definitely, like I said, the fear and like anxiety that came not so much for us, but we definitely, we still felt it. Yeah. Um, Uh you know, we luckily were in a position where we went to town once a month and got the absolute necessities and everything else was already in our house. Yeah. But a lot of people didn't have that. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Especially in larger cities, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it was probably a lot harder there because, you know, 
Well, I heard a gal talk at the Women's Homestead Convention, um, Sophie Ng, and she, her and her husband were living in the Silicon Valley when this hit. Mm-hmm. She's like, it was scary. She's like, we literally, we were on lockdown. And she's like, my parents are first generation Americans where they lived in socialism and were telling us this is what it was like for us. And she's Mm -hmm. like, they were scared. We were scared. She's like, we couldn't get food. And they actually moved to Tennessee and are completely self-sufficient right now. Wow. That was a big, quick change for them. Yeah. They were like, we're done. And out they went and they actually educate other people on how to make that change. Wow. They are really an inspirational couple. She actually guess I'm doing a little plug for her at this point, but she just came out with a book on cooking Asian food, all homegrown, like farm to table Asian food. Neat. And I was like, I need to get that because, you know, I love me some Asian food, but yeah. (laughs) Um, you know, it was just her story though. That was so enlightening because even for myself, like I said, I grew up in Northern California, but I was so disconnected from even what my California friends and family were going through Uh when I was lived so rurally and in a community that never really did shut down. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm from a small town, America, (laughs) you know, and Mm -hmm. of course, well, I mean, we live in the country too, but even like in the small towns, um, they were, they just weren't near as harsh on some of the shutdowns and stuff. Um, as, as some of the bigger cities mm-hmm. for, for whatever reason, I don't know, but yeah, like masks were never required where we live and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we definitely got to keep those freedoms. And mm-hmm. so we, like, we didn't feel it the same way, but it was still, we, we felt very isolated that life was still normal for us and it mm-hmm. wasn't for everyone else. And it made it really hard to know what to believe. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So, well, um, as we're coming to the end of our time, my favorite thing to ask all my guests is what does keep growing mean to you? What does keep growing mean? Mm -hmm. Hmm. Well, I guess ultimately, you know, you keep learning every day You keep learning new things. Um, yeah, I see myself as a lifelong, you know, learner and grower. And there's always so many fun skills to learn in the homesteading world. I mean, um, yeah, I, I, there's, I probably have a list, like a huge list of things that would be super fun for me to learn. So I have an oh, oh. unending list of things that I'd like to expand into. So Oh, I love that. That's, Uh it makes me want to like, go make my own list. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we talked, um, you know, quite a bit about the conference that you're having and that's going to be, um, October 21st and 22nd in Indiana. Yes. Um, We're going to tell you all how to go ahead and get your tickets to that. But if you tune in at the end of this episode, you can find out how to win a couple of tickets from me over, well, I'll give you all the details after the call. Yeah. But if you want to go ahead and tell us where they can get their own tickets and a little bit more information about that, that'd be great. Yeah. You can log into our mm-hmm. website, which is just indianahomesteadingconference.com. And uh, there's a, one of the pages is just on tickets, the different kind of tickets that we, we have available. Um, you can get, you know, 
a weekend ticket, a weekend ticket with the hall gross. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention Saturday evening, we're having a big hot, what we call the hog roast and hootenanny. Oof, I'm excited. <laughs> so, yeah. So we have um, a band that's going to be there and um, we're going to have a, um, just a hall gross. You're going to smell that hall roast all day oh. <laughs> out, out on the property because the, uh, the folks, my past gets it. me in there, right? Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> you can't let me smell hog all day. And... Yeah. <laughs> well, you, um, but for the people buying tickets, the hog roast and hoot nanny is a separate ticket. You'll, mm-hmm. you'll see it on there. So, um, you know, you save a little bit by, you know, doing a combined ticket, but, uh, and of course there's a different ticket for kids, uh, kids, t- uh, under 12 are free, uh, to the event, but not to the hog roast. You do need to buy a hog roast ticket for them if you want to do that. Okay. Uh, But yeah, and it'll be, um, you know, the hog gross, we're going to have a little inspirational uh, talk and, and uh, music and sit around. I'm uh, wanting to plan on having like some fire rings and stuff, but I have to talk to the, um, the uh, fairgrounds to make sure Mm -hmm. that's okay. But I think we're going to be able to work that out. But that's going to be be such amazing fellowship and fun together. Getting to know their, getting to know other homesteaders. That'll be fun. Well, I am excited and I'm can't wait to see everybody there. And like I said, make sure you tune in at the end of the episode to hear how you can win some tickets. Yeah, that Thank sounds you. like fun. Thank Thanks you so, so much for much, coming on, Cody. Rhonda. Okay. Thank you for tuning in on how to win tickets to the Indiana Homesteading Conference for 2023. The Indiana Homesteading Conference will be held October 21st and 22nd, 2023 at the Marion County Fairgrounds outside of Indianapolis and is dedicated to partnering to teach sustainable living skills and encourage community. Cody Hanner with the Homestead Education has partnered with the Indiana Homestead Conference to give away two weekend passes. Passes include access to all the conference breakout sessions both days. This is 25 sessions per day with five time slots and five options f- from each to choose from each slot. You do not want to miss this amazing lineup of speakers. Just so you know, the hog roast, junior homesteaders, and the intensive workshops are not included, but can be purchased at an additional charge. But I bet you just want to hear how to win these tickets. And we are so excited to be giving them out. First thing you need to do is follow the Homestead Education on Facebook. The second one is follow the Indiana Homesteading Conference on Facebook. Then use the link in the show notes to sign up for the Homestead Education newsletter through that link. And on May 31st at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, we will be drawing the winners live. Once we draw a winner, we're going to check to make sure that you're following both the Homestead Education and the Indiana Homestead Conference in order to qualify. If you don't, we will be pulling a new winner. So make sure you pop over to thehomesteadeducation.com forward slash Indiana Homesteading to sign up to win those tickets. Thank you for joining me today at the Homestead Education, and I hope that I have given you something to think about this week. To help others find me, please comment and leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can also follow me on Facebook at the Homestead Education and Instagram at Homestead underscore Education. Do you have questions that you would like answered or just want to say hi? 
please email me at hello at the homesteadeducation.com. Until next time, keep growing!